Welcome to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome to what is the conclusion of our Nehemiah study, our series entitled Rebuild. And so this study, this series all the way through Nehemiah, it's been about Nehemiah. It's been about the church. It's been about individuals. It's been about family. Certainly, we've, we've tied that in, uh, that as a church, we're looking to refresh and rebuild and retool to take care of our facilities, as well as look to reach out to those around us. When it comes to Nehemiah, it's both a physical and a spiritual rebuild. The early parts of the book, remember, uh, they needed to physically rebuild walls, physically rebuild gates. It took a lot of sweat and tears and, and, and working uh, to, to get this to take place. But then there's also the spiritual rebuild. And so uh, the last number of weeks, we've looked at the spiritual part. Yes, the wall was done. Yes, the gates were done. But what are some of the things that these individuals, these families needed to do? All throughout this, uh, the book of Nehemiah, there's been an emphasis of prayer. Uh, certainly there's been an emphasis on the word of God and worship as, as they would spend hours hearing the word of God. And as they heard the word of God and as they worshiped, their hearts were checked. Because they realized they were not living the way that God and his word was instructing. And so remember, several chapters ago, there were a list of commitments. And, and they made these commitments. Here's what we will do. We're going to stand upon God's word and we make these commitments. So today, turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 13, the last chapter of the book. And if you're someone who likes a happy ending then you might end up a little disappointed today. How many of you, you like the happy endings? You, you are maybe a fan of Hallmark Christmas movies where everybody always comes together. Uh, the guy always gets the girl. The, uh, the little you know, small town business is saved. I mean, everything ends to the positive. And, and so you watch that and you say, yes. How many of you are, you're kind of positive people, you enjoy a positive kind of uh, almost fairy tale style ending? Unfortunately, that's not what we get to here in Nehemiah chapter 13. You know, we, we almost wish you would have just stopped at the end of Nehemiah chapter 12 as they celebrated and they dedicated the walls. Last week, we, we saw how they took two different choirs on the top of the wall, going opposite directions, and they're, they're marching and singing. I mean, this was an incredible celebration. That's chapter 12. One chapter later, we're here in chapter 13, and unfortunately, things are not quite the fairy tale ending. And in fact, many of those commitments are broken, but that's just a lot like you and I. How many of you have ever broken a commitment? How many of you have ever went back on something you said? Sometimes we do that. Good intentions fall by the wayside over time. Sometimes we blatantly break our promises. I'm, I'm just not going to do this, and I'm willingly, willfully choosing to do the opposite. But sometimes, don't you see that we kind of slowly and gently drift away from the commitments that we made? from what we were saying that we would do. Someone put it like this. They say that moral failure and spiritual decline is kind of like a flat tire. Now, sometimes you, you get a, a massive you know, chunk of metal or a nail in, and it just goes flat immediately. But many times, 
That flat tire happens over time, right? It's just a little bit at a time. And you don't quite... You don't quite notice it. It's, it's imperceptible, but after a while, wow, your car is kind of veering, your tire's a little bit flat, and it's a little bit like this. Israel was slowly and surely letting out spiritual air becoming flat. Now, at the end of chapter 12, Nehemiah leaves Jerusalem, and he heads back to Persia. Remember, he's the cupbearer to the king. And we read in Nehemiah chapter 13, verses 6 and 7, while all this was going on, don't worry, we'll come back to let you know what all this is about. We'll give you the scoop. But while all this was going on, he says, I was not in Jerusalem. For in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I had returned to the king. Sometime later, I asked his permission, and I came back to Jerusalem. So in between chapter 12 and chapter 13, Nehemiah heads back. He completes and, and continues in his service to the king. And so how many of you have heard that old phrase? Maybe you've heard it from a parent or a grandparent. You've read it somewhere. When the cat's away, you've heard it too. When the cat's away, the mice will play. So here's Nehemiah. He's the spiritual leader. He, he's saying, you know, God's put this upon his heart, and he came back, and they rebuilt the walls and rebuilt the, the gates, and, and there was these, all of these spiritual challenges and commitments. But Nehemiah heads back to his duty as the cupbearer to the king. Now, we don't know exactly. It doesn't say in Scripture. Most uh, scholars would say it was probably a period of at least several years so it wasn't as if he just kind of went there, uh, you know, back to his duty maybe for a couple of days, weeks, or months. Most would say this was probably a period of a, a handful of years. So it's that slow leak over time. So we don't know how long it was, but certainly it's long enough that the leadership and the people begin to slip back into some of their old ways. And we're going to see what that is. It's long enough that they begin to forsake all of the commitments that they made just a few chapters earlier. And unfortunately, sometimes that's like you and I. We find ourselves jumping back into the same things, the same habits, the same sins that have confounded us in the past. And that's what we see here in Nehemiah chapter 13. So as we conclude, this, this has been some great principles uh, for us as a church, individuals, as families. How do we, how do we rebuild uh, the walls of our lives spiritually? What we're going to look at today, we're just entitling it Final Lessons. So we take a look at Nehemiah chapter 13. What are some final lessons for you and I that hopefully will help you and I not to do the same things the Israelites did? Lesson number one. We must finish what we start. Finish what we start. It is great to start something, right? How many of you enjoy, you enjoy starting something new, starting something fresh? Uh, maybe it's a new pattern, a new habit, a, a, you know, a, a new a kind of entertainment option. You, you start watching a new show. You start playing a new sport. You try something new. We enjoy starting. It's even better to finish. Now, we're, we're close. We are close right here. If you're watching or listening online, uh, it'll be after Christmas. But as of today, it's before Christmas. There's going to be a bunch of people that open some things up for Christmas that are health-related. They'll open up some Fitbits. They'll open up a Peloton. 
They'll open up a Nordic track or something like that, right? And January comes around. And gym memberships are going to go through the roof. And then what happens come February? Gyms are canceled. They're empty. Uh, that Peloton becomes, you know, kind of a coat hanger. It's a closet. I mean, you know, you and I have been there. Maybe you got a treadmill and, and you started out the year. You had great intentions. You started the year strong, but maybe January, maybe February, somewhere along the way, that treadmill kind of got put into a corner, got folded up, and it's used for other stuff. See, it's good to start, but it's even better to finish. Unfortunately, as we come to Nehemiah chapter 13, Every single commitment the Israelites made in chapter 10 were broken. Every single one. <laughs> and, we, and we look at this and we read Nehemiah chapter 13 and we say, Oh, I can't believe those Israelites. Oh, you and I, we do the same thing, don't we? God works on our heart. It's a message. It's a, it's a discipleship time. It's a class setting, whatever it is. And God's working on our heart. And we say, yes, God, I commit to do this. Maybe a day or two or a week or two or a month or two. Go pretty well. But somewhere along the way, oftentimes, we kind of drift off course. And we struggle to finish what we started. Unfortunately, that's what we see, Nehemiah chapter 13. So let's just re remind you briefly, whether you were here or not, chapter 10, here are some of the topics that they committed. The people of God said, we're going to commit, we're going to stamp, we're going to seal our names. Here's what we commit to do. They committed to follow God's design in marriage. God's design in marriage, not to marry pagans, not to connect with, live with, marry individuals who do not know God, love God, follow God, serve God. And yet, what do we see in verses 4 through 9? An Ammonite, someone from a neighboring land, pagan, is living inside the temple of God, the house of God. Eliashib, the high priest in Israel, had provided a guest room for, get this, Tobiah. Now, if you've been with us from the beginning, Tobiah might, might sound a little familiar. You'd have to go back towards the early chapters. Tobiah was one of those adversaries. He was an opponent of the things of God. And he was, in a sense, renting out a room, living inside of the temple. This enemy of God is living in the temple. You want to talk about impacting and influencing the people. Not only that, one of uh, the high priest's relatives was married to Sanballat's daughter. Now, if you've been with us again throughout the book of Nehemiah, Tobiah and Sanballat, both of those names... Make your spidey sense go up. Because they were both enemies of God. They opposed the work of God. They tried to thwart the work of God. They did not want it to happen. Did not want the walls built, gates redone. Tobiah and Sanballat. And yet Sanballat's daughter was married to one of Eliashib's relatives. And now Tobiah, this enemy of God, is living inside the temple. Listen, 
Don't allow the enemy to take residence in the house of God. Now, I say that, and your thought is, oh, well, Pastor Mark, that would not happen. You and the board, you're, you're not going to rent out a room to somebody that's in opposition to God. True. But I'm not talking about the church building. Don't allow an enemy of God to take up residence and root within the house of God. God dwells within us, true? He lives within us. Don't allow the enemy, don't allow sin or Satan, the enemy, to have root within inside of your life. And that's exactly what was taking place. So they were not following God's design in marriage. They weren't finishing what they committed to start. They were not honoring God's blueprint in their finances. The final statement of chapter 10 was, we will not neglect the house of God. But in verse 10, we see that they were not bringing in uh, the offerings. We see that Levites and singers had returned to their jobs in the fields in order to survive. The storerooms were empty because people were not bringing tithes and offerings. Probably why that room was available for Tobiah in the first place. They committed. They said, God, we're going to take care of your house, and we're going to bring the tithes. We're going to bring the offerings, everything that is needed. And yet after time, they did not finish what they started. When it came to God's design in marriage, didn't finish what they started. When it came to honoring God's blueprint in their finances, did not finish what they started. As well, observing God's plan for the Sabbath. They had promised to honor God observe his plan, not do business with Gentiles on the Sabbath, and yet Nehemiah discovered that's exactly what they were doing. It was big business. They were treating the Sabbath like any other day. Verse 16 says that men of Tyre had moved into Jerusalem and set up businesses for that express purpose. Listen, understand this. You and I, we're not very much unlike them. We've got a lot in common with these Israelites. We make promises. We make commitments. And God works upon our heart and we say, God, I commit to do better. God, I commit to do this. God, I'm going to read through the Bible this year. Maybe you started. Maybe you started strong. And somewhere along the way, good job. Larry finished it today. I heard that. <laughs> Maybe, maybe some of you started, but you struggled and gave up. Listen, we do that. We often fall short. We often break our promises. We often mess up. We start something for God. God works upon our hearts. God nudges us and we say, yes, God, I want to do this. I'm going to grow in you, and I commit to doing this. Maybe we start off strong a day or two or a week or two or a month or two. I would venture to say somewhere along the way, you and I have broken a promise. We've broken a commitment. We don't always follow what we know to be true. We don't always follow in that pattern of obedience. Understand this. Though chapter 13's ending on what seems to be a little bit of a downer, it's a reminder for us. It's never too late to honor God and to follow Him in obedience. Never too late to finish what you start. So that's lesson number one, finish what you start. Lesson number two, we must deal boldly with sin. 
Deal boldly with sin. Don't mess around with it. Don't play with it. Don't flirt with it. Don't compromise. Deal boldly with sin. The challenge is many times we underestimate our sinfulness and we overestimate our goodness. You know, we pat ourselves on the back a little too much without realizing maybe the the sin that's kind of crept into our lives. Now, as we kind of take a quick look at Nehemiah chapter 13, we're going to see how Nehemiah dealt with sin. It was boldly. It was decisively. Now, some of these things that we read, I'm going to just encourage you, uh, as these are principles of how to deal with sin, maybe not so much the specifics, all right? Just in advance, I'll just tell you, these are probably not things I would prescribe to the T, but the principle is he dealt boldly and decisively. So we mentioned about how they didn't finish what they start, and we listed a handful of ways. Let's see how Nehemiah dealt with it. First of all, Tobiah in the temple. In verses 8 through 10, we see this. Verse 8, Nehemiah threw Tobiah's household goods out of the room. It it, kind of brings to mind uh, to me, whether that's a TikTok video, a a television show, or a movie, but it's the classic proverbial cheater gets caught, whether that's in a boyfriend, girlfriend, or, or marriage relationship, and the person comes home and just throws everything out on the curb. Probably seen stuff like that. That's kind of the vibe that I get from Nehemiah here in chapter 13. He is steaming mad. Tobiah, the opponent of God, the enemy of God, has a a room right in the house of God. Are you kidding me? He goes in, takes everything of Tobiah's, and throws it out. He's dealing decisively. He gets rid of it. And then in verse 9, he gave orders to purify the rooms. Reminds me of like, fumigating like you know you're sending somebody in i don't even want to smell him in here right Uh, not not one little touch of that cologne that perfume that that aftershave that soap i I don't want to even know or be aware that he was even in this room so he got rid of everything He then purified the rooms, and then we read in Scripture, he then took all of the equipment and offerings and incense, everything that was needed to take care of things in the house of God, and replaced them. He put them back in. Now, the principles are good for you and I. First, what what do you and I need to do? We've got to remove anything that comes between God and I. Get rid of it. Throw it out. Throw it out to the curb. Say, uh-uh, you're not going to have any, any, hold, any, any hold on me anymore, enemy. Get rid of the sinfulness. Remove it. Then go to God and ask for purify. God, clean me. Cleanse me. Purify me. And then not just to get rid of it and not just to say, God, cleanse and purify me, but then let's replace and refill and say, God, fill me then, put the right stuff back in me and help me to, to follow and to honor, honor you. That's how Nehemiah was approaching Tobiah. He, he didn't sit around and say, well, I wonder if this is going to be a big deal. An enemy of God in the house of God is a big deal, and he dealt with it decisively. How about support for the house of God? Verses 11 to 14 show us that. In verse 11, I asked them, why is the house of God neglected? And what we see with them 
is very typical with us that many times when we neglect our commitment to the Lord, we can tend to give less and work more. That's what these people were doing. Rather than giving to God, they went back to work to focus on self. He's saying, listen, let's make sure we take care of what God has instructed us to do. So he rebukes them, and then he shows them, here's what you do. Here's how you put God first in your finances. He sets up some administrative systems to make sure that tithes are coming in and receiving to the temple. He appoints four men to supervise the treasury and then to distribute the tithes and offerings. And they represent the priests, Levites, scribes, and laymen. God's word says all of them were counted as trustworthy. He's going to deal decisively with this. How about the Sabbath day? Verses 11 to 22, we see that. In verse 15, he warns and rebukes the Jews and made them stop. Verse 17, he rebukes the nobles for allowing business to take place on the Sabbath. And in verse 19 and following, he orders that the doors and gates would be shut. He stations men at the gates. And then he threatened to arrest some of these businessmen who would try to sneak in and come in and sell and take part on the Sabbath. He said, you come back again, I'm going to arrest you. Okay, he's dealing decisively. Maybe not to the T what you and I would exactly do, but he's saying we can't just allow sin and this, uh, this lack of commitment to God to take place. How about marriage? People who were intermarrying with individuals who were not part of the Israelites and marrying those from other lands, other cultures, honoring and worshiping other gods. We see that in verses 23 to 28. In verse 25, it says he rebuked them and he called curses down on them. Now, calling curses down on them is not like he, you know, uttered a bunch of four-letter words. But he's basically calling God's judgment down upon them. What you've done is a serious thing. You made a commitment, you went back on the commitment, and now you're uniting together with somebody else who does not have a heart to love and to follow and to serve God. Now, here's the next verse or two is a specific example of something I don't recommend you follow. Just hear me on that. It says this, I beat some of the men and pulled out their hair. How many of you want to form a new ministry in the church? Men beaters, hair pullers. Okay, not exactly what we're doing. He's saying, listen... You have not followed what God said. So he beat someone up. Pulling out the hair is more likely the beard. Having the pulled beard, that was a, a sign of uh, disrespect and, and dishonor. So more than likely pulling out chunks of the beard, whether it's on the top or whether it's on the beard, I mean, pulling out hair is pulling out hair. That's not necessarily how I recommend we do that. The principle is deal boldly and decisively with sin. He then made them swear they would not give their sons or daughters to the pagans. It's like uh, sometimes you've done with kids or you've done with grandkids or if you're a teacher, you know, you teach something and you say, here's what we do. And the class says, yes, we're going to do it. And the next day or two or three, they do it and then they forget about it. And the teacher has to come back. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. It's almost like that's what Nehemiah is doing. You heard God's word. Your heart was touched by God's word. You heard it read. We were worshiping, and you said, yes, we'll commit. I'm going to stamp and seal my name. We're going to commit to God and his word. And then he broke it. So Nehemiah said, hey, 
Here's all the things you've committed. You've broken them. We're going to go step by step, dealing boldly and decisively to make sure that we follow through. So well, I mean, we read this, Nehemiah chapter 13, and we say, these people messed up badly. Man, they did terrible. And if we're being honest, sometimes we, we read that and we kind of have a little chuckle inside and we, we kind of feel pretty good about ourselves because we look at them and we say, I didn't do that. True. Maybe not today. Chances are good you and I at some point have done just this. We've made commitments. We've said, God, I'm going to do this. God, I'm going to live this way. And then we've broken them. And Nehemiah is saying, listen, we've got to deal boldly and decisively. Don't let your past keep you from doing what's right. God's word was read and spoken, and we understand here's how we ought to live. And we started out, we started strong. We were, we were welcome every day. We were eating healthy every day. We were, we were doing all the good things every day, and then we gave it up. It's never too late to deal boldly with your sin. Never too late to finish what you start. Final lesson today. So we've got to remember to pass on our faith. Pass on our faith. I want to direct you to verse 24 there in Nehemiah chapter 13. And we read this. Half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod or the language of one of the other peoples and did not know how to speak the language of Judah. Did you catch that? Half of the kids. Our kids are our future. Isn't, isn't that what we always say and believe and preach? And yet half of the kids, they were speaking the languages of these nearby Countries, lands, with false gods and followers. They weren't being taught the commandments of God. And they couldn't understand or learn them because they didn't know the language of the people of God. It's not about, the issue here is not saying that learning new languages is bad. You guys are learning some new languages. You've already learned multiple languages and you're learning another one based on where you're It's not about learning new languages being bad. What they're saying is they didn't know their language, the Hebrew language, the, the language of the people, the Jewish people. And so they were speaking in the languages of the surrounding lands and nations. The passing on of their faith had been compromised. They're saying, we're going to commit to serve God, and yet they've broken every commitment and they're not teaching, and they're not training, and they're not helping their kids to learn and understand about God. In Deuteronomy and other scriptures, uh, they talk about, you know, talk about God in your home and when you're walking and this and that. Make it a regular part of your life. And they couldn't do that because they didn't even know the language. And as God had warned, all of these other lands, all of these other nations, all of these people who are serving these other gods are leading them into idolatry and apostasy, and their hearts were cold towards the things of God. Their backs were turned. And that's what was taking place in the kids. You see, the damage that was being done, it wasn't just with the adults. They were doing plenty of damage, right? They'd broken every single commitment that they had made, but the damage is now being passed on, not to their generation, but now to the next generation. As now the children are not understanding about this. 
So Nehemiah chapter 13, it's, it's a warning to us. It's a challenge to us. Don't just make sure that you are right with God. Teach and provide opportunity for your kids and for your grandkids, those next generation to come, that they would know and love and honor and serve God. You have a heart for your kids. You have a heart for your grandkids. You, you have a heart for the, the kids of our church and community and otherwise that we would help them to know about God, his love for them, his care for them, how he gave his son Jesus Christ to die for them. Help them to know that. Give them opportunity. We, we can't force a child or a grandchild to come to know Jesus. But we can certainly give the opportunity to teach and train and equip and present the opportunity of passing on faith in God. So we read through Nehemiah, and it's inspiring. Nehemiah's heart was stirred. At the beginning of the book, he heard about the broken down walls, the torn down gates. And he spoke up to the king, and the king supplied all the resources and provided and Nehemiah went back, and through the people that were there, they rebuilt the walls, rebuilt the gates, repopulated the cities. It's a, it's a powerful and an energetic story, yet there's a cautionary tale for you and I as well. Make sure, not just that we're going to do something for God, let's make sure that we finish what we start. We're, we're starting some good things for God. And, and we've shared along with this our, our rebuild process, and, and we've shared some things that we want to be able to do. We understand in the refreshing of our facilities, it's, it's a big chunk to bite off. And we've raised some funds, we've started, we've done some things. Together, we want to be able to finish physically in our facilities what we've started. But not just in the physical, in, in the spiritual. We want to do some things to be able to reach out better to our area, to our community, and around the world. Finish what we start. Second lesson we see, we've got to deal boldly with sin. It affects you and I all the time. We are constantly bombarded with temptations and things of sin. How do we deal with it? Do we say, well, I guess I'm decent. I'm, I'm better than this person. I'm better than that person. So I'm okay? Or are we going to boldly and decisively deal with sin, get it out of our life and say, I'm not going to allow an enemy of God into the house of God. And then the final lesson, pass on our faith. Yes, we want to make sure that we are right with God. Yes, we want to honor our commitments to God. But let's do our best, do our part to share God's word. Kids, grandkids, church, community, pass on our faith.